they wanted to know what it was that they needed to do at this point because Peter's address was so compelling. What could they say against it? How can they say that he twisted it? If you're following it with an open ear and an open heart, how can you say he's twisting it? When you yourself don't know for certain, having been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, how this thing really goes. Because they know what they've been relying on up until that point. Please. Um, now I was going to add to what you were saying earlier before, is when you, can, when you get so stuck on how you want things to come... Um, to work out right by the time salvation came or when your freedom came you missed it mm. because you were still so stuck on what you thought how things were going to be or how um, you were stuck on how you wanted you were stuck on how you wanted to see it so you missed it you missed your you missed your salvation you missed your freedom because you were stuck on an idea and that's powerful you stuck on an idea a possibility you're stuck on a possibility of what could be unwilling to accept what truly is mm. and Peter's address to them caused them to question what it was that they were learning up until that point Remember, when Jesus stood up in the temple and read, just read, the people were astonished. They marveled at him reading. And not only that, but he followed it up by saying, this day, the scripture is fulfilled. And people just couldn't handle it. What were you expecting? Somebody just comes into the temple. Alright, well, we gotta kill him. How is that your next logical thing? Do you know what the Messiah is going to look like? Then why are you still waiting for him? Some are still waiting for him to come. What, are you, what is it going to look like? You read Revelation? You, you, do you see the things that are happening today? How can you still be looking for him to come? Is this world system the thing that you think he's come to free us from? Or is it the influence of the world system and your itching to satisfy the hungers of the flesh, the lust of your flesh, your selfish desires that have you imprisoned in a world of sin. Sister Chapman? I'm always reminded of a uh, um, sermon that the system pastor preached when he was saying how. Uh, the Bible does talk about him coming back in that way. It's just, he was he was saying how it was on um or he was saying how 
the they had that prophecy and I believe it's in David or wherever he was saying it's just it does it does say that he's gonna come lowly and on a donkey. It also says that he's going to come triumphant, but when it doesn't say. It doesn't say which comes first, which comes next. One, he's gonna come. When he comes at the end, oh he's coming. He's not coming on no donkey. You know. And um, I just always, that always stuck with me that he was saying, you can't, like you're saying, you can't get stuck on which way he's coming or, or when, because it doesn't say when, you know what I'm saying? It didn't specify the time that he was going to come triumphant on the horse or um, come on the donkey. So. There is an instance, a lot of people think that we do not, that Jesus never told us when he was coming and there actually is a verse in the Bible where Jesus tells us exactly when he's coming and that verse says that he's coming at a time that you don't expect mm -hmm. when we look at all of these people I remember Harold Kemping camping from family radio right. he, he fell into the same trap that a lot of scholars yeah. who who do believe in God who are passionate about God and really do love Him, but there is a there is a trap in philosophy and a trap in scholarly work and even in science as a believer that you start seeing manifested the predictions that you make, mm -hmm. and all of these people are making predictions right. about the coming of Christ. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses lost a lot of people. Over 300,000 people, when there was a prediction made that by them that he was coming at a certain time and that time came and went. There, was, there were, have been numerous movements here in the United States and beyond mm -hmm. where people will say, based on the math, based on this, based on the other. And they take prophecy and make predictions mm -hmm. from the prophecy. The difference is that predictions can be trusted. But prophecies must be trusted. Mm -hmm. Prophecy comes from God. Yeah. And God does not lie. Predictions take on chance. They take on right. facts. That's it. They make, they, like, how, how was it? Uh, it was Brother Joshua. I mean, I'm sorry. It was the, the, the founder and the pastor that were saying they use reason, logic, and patterns. But patterns change. Yeah. Patterns are, are, are they are reliable to a point. And I remember in statistics when we were studying um, uh, uh, probability and possibility. Well, they, we weren't studying possibility. It became a message for me later. But we are studying probability. You can predict things to a, a degree of certainty. And the, the, the more narrow the prediction, the less the certainty is that, it's, that you're going to predict correctly. So you broaden the prediction so that the certainty goes up. Right. I can be right. I can be fairly certain that tomorrow the sun will be in the sky, even if it's behind clouds, you know, as the way of speaking. I can be that's a fairly certain prediction I can make for tomorrow. But that the sun will come up at the exact time that I wake up and as I wake up the the sunlight will pour into my eyes as it's reflected off the vase on my uh, dresser and I will see in that the image of Mary, the certainty for that, even if that exact thing happens, the certainty is so much less 
in that prediction. Prophecy is not like that. Right. Prophecy is thus and so, and then that happens. Right. They when 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 it was prophesied in Isaiah about how Jesus would die over seven hundred years before he was born. That was not a prediction. There was certainty. Prophecy does not have to happen exactly when, when um, the next day or the day after. It happens in God's time. And it may take seven minutes, seven years, or 700 years. Prophecy does not change. I agree with us. I do that all the way around the barn just to say I agree with the, the last speaker. I agree with prophecy does not change. It does not have chance involved. Prophecy mm. is certain. Amen. That that I think we gotta. That's good. Uh, focus in on prophecy cannot change. Yes. Mm. When God states something, it's that's it. We talked about the sovereignty of a king. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the previous study, when we talked about the king says something and that's it. That's it. There's no ways around it. He says it, it goes into law, and he can't even un unchange it. Uh, we, we talked about that in the book of, I'm sorry. When we were in the book of Esther, we talked about that, where the king can say something once he declares it, he puts a signet ring to it, he signs it, it's the law, you can't change it. And we saw how Haman used that fact to manipulate a situation that the king could not change. He could only add on to it. That's with a king who is a man. Mm -hmm. But God is not up there being tricked by anybody. He's not hearing what somebody prays in deceit mm -hmm. and answering their prayers and then finding out, oh no, what have I done? He doesn't do that. He knows your thoughts are far off. He knows your end from the beginning, not saying when you start from the beginning before let there be light. He knew your ending and not just your date of death, your ending, where you will end up in eternity. He knew that from the beginning. How is a God with that much knowledge and wisdom going to be tripped up? By a finite being that's only here in a blip of eternity. It doesn't even show up the entirety of time when it comes to eternity. We can count measures in a song. Time isn't a measure in eternity. It doesn't show up. So knowing that in God is bigger than both of them. How can you with what you've learned about just on one of the planets he created. And you don't know all that about, you don't know that much about the neighborhood you live in, the house that you live in, the body that you live in. How are you going to say anything to challenge what God says? And we look and see everything unfold that he says exactly like he said it. Through a man who is subject to make mistakes. But God's word is so powerful 
that even through a klutz like Jonah, he can still get the message to a wicked nation and bring them to repentance. Amen. And we look at what's happening with these devout Jews whose hearts, as, as uh, reported by Luke, were pricked. And they asked, what shall we do? And how does Peter respond to their question of what can we do? How can we make this right? We've fallen short. When they're asking what shall we do, they are acknowledging their limitation of knowledge and reason. We've come to this point and now we're at a crossroads. We have to make a decision because if we continue the way that we're going, we may never see God in a favorable light. So what is it? Peter, disciple, apostle. What is it that we shall do? And Peter responds to them. And I think we're going to have this probably a two-part series in, in itself as well. On that what shall we do part, I am amazed at, at that part of this scripture simply because in verse 37 now when they heard this they were pricked in their hearts ask yourself who is they go up to verse 29 men and brethren let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David this is the, the audience he's speaking to let's go further back if we go further back we will find ye men of Israel verse 22 Hear this. These are the people David's talking to. We go further back and we find that the same folks that were mocking in the beginning, mm -hmm. when confronted with the actual Holy Spirit, yes. mockers, these are, these are the people, not like enemies who, who come actively against you, but mockers who are standing there and just don't take you seriously. Yeah. Sometimes they're the hardest ones to convince because enemies are invested in the conversation. Some of them may change. But mockers, they're not vested in, in the conversation. They just want to have, they're just looking at you as silly, fun, trifle. You don't matter. Why was this so important? Why was this so important? Because in verse 30, or in verse, where are we? Verse 30, we see that all of these events, the coming of Jesus, the uh, the, uh, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. These are the answer to an oath that God made to David. So when this stuff is coming to pass, even the mockers, by the time we get to verse 37, the mockers are saying, how do we make this right? How do we make this right? This is the power of the Holy Spirit because go a little bit further in Acts, this is a, another story, but when Stephen spoke and their hearts were pricked. These were the Pharisees. And how did they react? Mm. They wanted to bite them. They wanted to bite them. Grown good. people trying to bite somebody. All right? They wanted to tear them to pieces. But this just shows the power of the Holy Spirit and answer to an oath that God made today. 
Amen. Amen. These men are drunk. No, they're not, Peter said. <laughs> they're not drunk as you suppose. And when he began, I'm pretty sure that at a certain point, they probably had an idea about how this thing was going to go. They've heard teachers in the past talk about this same type of thing when they don't quite get what's happening, somebody's going to clarify it. And they could pretty much, they were reasonably intelligent men who could kind of follow the logic, but when it's not man's logic and it's God unfolding his truth to them, they cannot help but be compelled by it. Amen. And especially, you know, the mockers, as he says, there's some place in their heart that has room for God to stretch out in there. So when you go out and you speak to people and they mock you, mm -hmm. don't think of it as something, well, they are my enemy. No, there's something in them that's resisting it because of what they have known up until this point and what they've trusted up until this point. The truth has to be unfolded to them and they don't quite see it. At that point, they mocked because they could not see the truth. Mm -hmm. And Peter didn't just take offense. Oh, y'all don't see because y'all don't wish to see. You need to go and read the books. No. He unfolded the truth with love because he understood what Jesus said to him. If you love me, yes. Yes. feed my sheep. And he told them there are sheep that are, that are mine that are not of this fold. Yes. Feed my sheep if yes. you love me. Mm -hmm. And here he is in the midst of those sheep that are mocking and don't see the truth. What are you to do, Peter? What should you do, Peter? Unfold the truth to them as God has unfolded it to you. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. No. Amen. But it was the Holy Spirit that you now see and experience and acknowledge with your life. And he unfolded that truth. And as he did it, those mockers became believers. Yeah. And they were subject to the Spirit of God. And now they're asking, what must I do to be saved? Yes. And Peter says to them, my Lord, Peter says to them, repent yes. and be baptized, yes. every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ yes. for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Whoa. This thing that you cannot understand that's happening that's never happened before, right, right, but you right, know right. of the prophecy from the prophet Joel who said that this would happen. You can receive this gift if you repent. And receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. What do you do with that? <laughs> what do you do with that? He gave them the outline. He gave them the inline and the inroad to the door. 
who is also the key because he's the path. He is the light to the path. He's the door. He's the key. He's the one that gives you the strength. He's the Holy Spirit that is speaking through me now as Peter speaks. Yes. You want what you see. You're marveling at it. But you don't know how it's possible. I've told some things to people even at work. And I know it was God speaking through me. And they still don't get it because they're trying to figure out how did I know? How did I reason it? What tools did I use to figure this out? It's not me. You, they see me make, uh, me make mistakes. It's not me. When God reveals something, then accept what he says. Stop trying to figure it out. And when these men stopped trying to figure it out, they left themselves open to receive. When you're using logic all the time, you shut the door for the spirit to work in you because you've decided already that you will be navigated by your own logic, Amen. your own thinking. But when you cast that aside, you open the way for God to say, all right, now you say this. Peter had no choice in the matter. I mean, he had a choice, but what I'm, I'm saying, he got to a point where, listen, I denied him. Mm. Mm. And he still came back mm. to me. Mm. And mm. gave me the keys to the kingdom. Mm. How, listen, this same Peter walked on the water when everyone else was on the boat, but he denied Jesus three times. When Jesus, as a man, needed him most to be a friend that would stand by him, where he pulled out his sword to defend him in the only way he could think logically to do it. The same Peter was left with that guilt because in his mind and through his logic, he saw the cross as the end of the story. So he put a period there. And Jesus put another period there. And then the Father put another period there. And the Holy Spirit put another period there. Because it's not over. And he came back to that same group that deserted him. Mm. And showed them love. This is our calling. This is our commission. When we go to a world that does not understand what we are talking about, why you live this way, why you deny yourself certain things, why it's so important for you to get into your word and to live a life becoming of a Christian, they will never understand it using their logic so they're left with the devices of the world to mock, to make fun of, to dismiss. Mm -hmm. 
but something in them still yearns for it. Amen. And if we don't see that through the disciples who took on a mindset, having learned from him firsthand, sat at his feet while he washed their feet and broke bread before his body was broken and saw their intentions, but still having gone through all that understanding what his role was, he still came back to them and then told them what to do and left and sent to them the power yeah. to do it. That's love. So how can we not do the same? Amen. What obstacle is so great that we cannot do the same? Having the scriptures, having the prophets, having all this in the volume of a book, and then the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom about it. I don't know what else to say. Does not matter if you if you don't know what to say. Open your mouth and I'll speak for you. When we believe like that, we're going to see change in this world. What's going to happen if the elections overturn? What does it matter? Our commission does not change. Amen. Amen. Let the world worry about worldly matters. We don't worry about those things. We see it. We know it's happening. Mm -hmm. And we continue on. Doesn't mean don't do your civil duty and vote and do all that. So give the Caesar what Caesar's. But don't go taking what's God's and giving it to Caesar. Amen. Who is Caesar? The world system that we're in but not supposed to be of because we are of God and when we become of the world we are enemies of God Amen. we switch sides but he still came to us while we were yet his enemies Jesus died for the ungodly mm. oh man thank you Lord for the promise is unto you mm -hmm. and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. <laughs> we ain't going to be able to get through it all. My goodness. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get through no, it. No, never mind. <laughs> Oh, man. We'll say it. It's beyond what you see. Mm. You look at what shall we do? We who are here right now, what shall we do thinking individually? What I'm speaking to spans beyond this moment. Yes. Because what Jesus did was beyond that moment. Amen. And when he resurrected and sent the Holy Spirit, it was to cover all flesh. Because Joel prophesied that this would happen and all flesh the Holy Spirit would fall on. 
It ain't just for you in this moment. You are here to see it and receive it. But it's going to be for you, for your children, for your children's children, for your great-great-grandchildren, and everyone who's afar off. That one we said we were going to pray for this week, those ones we said we would pray for this week, afar off, he's speaking about them too. What's the difference if the Holy Spirit comes in? Their life is different. Their thinking is different. If we don't believe that the Holy Spirit can regulate the minds of people, then what are we doing here? Do we believe that he can transform a life? I've seen him do it. I've experienced him do it. Why would he do it for me and then say this person? No. There are people who've been strung out on drugs the same way we see people and we just shake our heads. And God cleans them up and delivers them Amen. and sends them out to all the world Amen. to preach the gospel to every creature. Why do we think it's any different today? Why do we think it's different with our enemies? It's not. We come back next week. We, we're going to deal with this, this response. Let's, let's deal with this response from the crowd. What is the atmosphere? I want you next week to come back having read the, the rest of it and describe in your own words, the atmosphere in Jerusalem, in this place, at this time, what is the atmosphere like? What do you see? Do you see a change? Do you see a shift? Do you see resistance? What is the atmosphere? And if there are any other questions, I'm going to allow Praise the Lord. We thank God for all of you who have joined us.